Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with David Diga Hernandez. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about boldness and faith. I want you to go to Mark chapter 11, verse number 12. I'm going to read you a few portions of Scripture as I minister this message. Now, this is not going to be as detailed of a teaching as I'm used to presenting, but this is going to be a very simple encouragement that I hope will stick with you and I hope will help you to really overcome the more difficult situations that you face. Now, I know that when I say you're facing difficult situations, it can sound cliche, but really, everyone at some season in their life faces a challenge or faces a multitude of challenges that causes them to question whether or not they can keep going. Now, in Mark chapter 11, verse number 12, we're going to see the beginning of this interesting story, and this really is going to set the groundwork, or lay the groundwork, I should say, for a thought I want to give to you. It's very simple. It's very simple to understand, but it is somewhat difficult to apply. But I want to show you what boldness looks like by looking at the life of Jesus. Go to Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to be reading beginning at verse number 12, and I'm going to go all the way down to verse number 25. This is what the scripture says. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. So that's a very bold statement that Jesus is making here, and you'll see why in just a moment. And then we follow him back in Jerusalem where he comes to commit another very bold act. Now, we're used to seeing Jesus as meek and mild and tame and very calm, but Jesus had a wild side to him. Now, I'm going to show this to you. It wasn't a loss of self-control. He was very deliberate in this action of boldness, but I want you to take a look at the scripture. In verse 15, it says, When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. Now, one of the other gospel accounts actually say that Jesus used a whip to drive them out. Can you imagine that? He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. I find this interesting that of all the things that Jesus has done, they only start to plot to really kill him. They only start to really seriously try to plan his demise when he comes against their source of income. So as soon as he touches on this and takes away their source of income, now they're saying, okay, he crossed the line. We have to kill this guy. 
But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. Now, I want you to jump down here to verse, well, let's just keep reading. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It says, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from its roots. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up into the sea and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So real quick, that's, a, that's Jesus talking about prayer and the hindrance to prayer being unforgiveness. You're holding grudges in your heart. They're going to block your prayers. But that's a whole different message for a whole different time. I want to focus on the fig tree. So the scripture says that, that it was too early in the season for the fig to bear, bear fruit. But that's not actually what it's saying. It was just saying it was early in the season. In fact, fig trees could bear fruit or at least two or three crops out of 10 out of the 12 months of the year. And... The fruit actually grows before the leaves. So when Jesus sees these leaves on the fig tree, he's right to expect to be able to take figs from it. This was a source of disappointment, of course, prophetically we know. This is a statement about Israel. This is the judgment of God coming against them. Again, as we saw it continuing from Old Testament times. But in a very base spiritual principle, we see that God curses the thing that doesn't produce fruit. And Jesus, looking at this fig tree, filled with disappointment because he was hungry, he wanted satisfaction, takes a bold step and curses that which isn't producing fruit. I want you to turn your neighbor and tell them, it's time to curse your fig tree. This thing that he had encountered, this inconvenience, this disappointment, this bothersome fig tree that was basically not giving him what he desired was cursed because it was not producing fruit. The same boldness was used when he went to go see the money changers. He goes to them. He sees them. They're doing what they ought not to do. And what does Jesus do? He drives them out. So the fig tree, he curses at the roots, and the money changers, he drives them out. This is the picture we get about bold faith. This is the picture that we get about our authority in Christ. It's that we can be rid of the things that trouble us. We can be rid of the things that don't produce fruit in our lives. We can be rid of the things that are time consumers that add nothing whatsoever to our spiritual growth. It's time that you begin to identify the fig tree in your life. What is causing disappointment? What is wasting your time? What is distracting you from where you ought to be? And it's time to curse the fig tree at its roots. Jesus also drove out these money changers. He was bold. He was indignant. 
This was a righteous indignation, a holy fire that had risen within his heart. When he saw what they were doing, he knew that it was wrong. He knew that they weren't supposed to do this. He knew that his house was to be called the house of prayer. So instead of standing by and watching, instead of standing by and being discouraged, instead of being intimidated by the religious institution that had allowed this to happen, Jesus in boldness and faith comes against it and drives it out. Here's the problem. Some of us, when we come up against our situation, we become intimidated by it. We become depressed by it. We shut down. We lose energy. And we don't want to address it because there's no drive in you. It's time that you allow the Holy Spirit to put a fire inside of you to address the thing that needs to be addressed. It's time for you to stop accepting things as they are. It's time to stop dealing with the same situation again and again and again. The same addictions again and again and again. The same habits, the same attitudes, the same impossible situation, the same tests, the same toxic people again and again and again. And it's time to curse that which produces no fruit. But if you want to do this, if you really want to see a difference, if you really want to see a change, then you have to stop being lazy in your approach. You have to stop being intimidated in your approach. You have to stop beating around the issue, avoiding the real problems just so that there can be peace. You know that when Jesus went to the disciples in the storm, he had to first go into the storm before he could calm it? Some of you can't calm the storms in your life because you want to stay on the shore. You don't want to step out into the place where it's uncomfortable. You don't want to step out into a situation that causes it to be a little rocky. You don't want to come into a place where you're confronting the issue once and for all. But think about what God has done in the past, how faithful he has been. There needs to be that righteous indignation that arises in you. Now, I told Jess I was going to talk about this. Many of you know, and some of you don't, I think we announced it here at the church before, that Jess and I were unable to have children. And this was because of many different problems. But one of the main things was, was one was one tube deer was completely blocked, correct? And one was partially but almost all the way blocked. And they told us the, the only way, and not only that, there was scar tissue. It was just, it was, not a good, it's, it's not, it was not a good situation. And the doctors, after several attempts, I think, we, I think two, after two years of trying, and, and total, what were we trying, dear? Total. Two and a half years. So after like, you know, one and a, about the one and a half year mark, we said, let's just go get checked. Usually people take long. It's, it was nothing to worry about. But I said, you know what, let's just get checked. Ease, I wanted to ease her mind and show her, oh, nothing's wrong. But when we went and they pulled out the x-rays, they showed us there is something wrong. And the doctor told us, he said, look, you, you, can, you can keep trying, but I'm telling you, you're just going to be disappointed every single month. It's it, your, your best bet is going to be IVF. He said, even then, we can't guarantee anything. And so this was a huge trial on us. I remember when this first hit, it was like this, this weight that was placed on our shoulders. And I remember for the first six months or so of dealing with it, we allowed the trial to really discourage us. We would walk around and say, oh, man, this is never going to happen. Oh, we'll never be parents. Oh, this is never going to be, you know, something that happens for us. And I understand that some of you might find yourself in that situation today. But I believe that nothing is impossible with God. And I've heard of, uh, well, I think they're, what are their names again? They're a very famous couple. Abram and Sarah, they, they, were, they, they, they had faced a similar situation before. And God came through. 
I know people in their late 40s and 50s who have children after being told for decades they could not. God is a miracle-working God. And so, so, we, so I want to encourage you, and when you hear this story, don't say, oh, well, don't, don't ever compare miracles and say, well, they waited less time than us, and therefore it's not going to happen. The point is that God came through when it wasn't possible at all. And so I remember we faced this situation, and, and there was just this discouragement in the home, this heaviness in the home, just... Every day she would come home, I would come home, we, we would talk, we would, we would hang out, we would do all the things. But overall, there was always that thing hovering over our head. And I remember it was like, it was like we got the wind knocked out of us. Because here I am, an evangelist, preaching Jesus heals. I'm seeing people get healed of the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm over here saying, Lord, I'm here praying for the sick. Can, can you, I, I know you have lots of ways to give us a miracle. We just, we just need one. And so I remember praying through this, and we had friends help us through it, pray with. It was a very, I would say she had to have more strength than I did because I know for women it affects them more deeply. And so she, I watched her go through it. And finally one day I said to Jess, I said, you know what, Jess, I need you to do what you're going to do. Go and cry. Cry your tears. Do what you need to do. And then after today, we're no longer going to allow it to be discouraging. I said, after today... We're going to have bold faith. And I remember I told you, Jess, remember? Because she, 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 she has faith. But this thing was just heavy. I told my wife, I said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to get your hopes up. Because every month we would wait and she would just dismiss it. No, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And she allowed herself. So did I. I was right there with her until God gave us that. God pulled us out of it. I didn't pull us out of it. But I remember every single month, remember that, dear? Every single month when, when you know, there, when there were signs of possibly she was pregnant, she would say, no, let's not even believe that. And I noticed that she, ne- it got to the point every single month of trying and then several tests and failed tests. It got to the point where she said, you know what, I don't even want to try until it's like, until I'm like, you know, eight days past or whatever. And so we were in this situation and it was like we got the wind knocked out of us. There was no fight in me. There was no fight in her. It was just kind of. Well, you know, we just accept it and whatever God wants to do. And I understand that's, that's somewhat of a place that's good to be. But when you're believing for a miracle, you have to have faith within you. And so I remember we, we had come to this place. We're just discouraged. Have you ever been there where you're just, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. And you've faced a situation for so long. And you, all your efforts seem to not matter. All the work you've done seems to just fall apart. Everything you've invested never seems to amount to anything. All the seeds you sow never reap a harvest. Have you ever been in that place? And so we were there, and it was literally like the spiritual energy had just drained. I was just, we were just done. It's, it's, it's whatever. We just accepted. We got cynical. We'll never be parents. It's not going to happen. We're just done. And so God spoke to me one day, though. And I went to her. I said, Jess, cry those tears. Have your discouragement. We're done with that now. From this day forward, it's nothing but stubborn faith. I said, I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to start talking like you're going to be a mom. I want you to start making plans. I want you to start looking at outfits. I, want, I told her to do all that. And something in us, we, nothing had changed. We just knew. We, we, we just knew that we knew that we knew. Now, I think it was a couple weeks later. How, how, how long after that? Two weeks later that there's this whole situation. I, she, she was well past, you know, the day. You know what I'm talking about? That dreaded day, gentlemen. <laughs> She was well past the day. I remember I was texting Steve. I'm like, Steve, I don't know what to think. She, she's well past. Now, you, you and Amanda already knew. Amanda t- said to Steve, oh, it's, it's done. Like, just don't tell him that just, just in case we're wrong. But 
but but so I I'm like texting I'm like dude is this is this is this what happens like is this how it works and so I remember I think with how many days along dear did did you finally agree to take the test? I, she missed the day completely. And I remember I had stashed, she didn't know this, but I in faith went out and bought the pregnancy test. And I put them in the closet. So I said, well, you're going to take a test before you go to work. She said, well, we don't have time. I go, it's okay, I got it. So I went. I went to the, I went to the, the, the shoebox where I had hidden it. And I said, I got these because I knew this was the month. I went out and bought them in faith. I give them to her. So she goes, she takes it. She goes into the bathroom. I think like 15 minutes later, she goes, Diga, come here. And I run in there. She goes, how do I use this? <laughs> Talk about suspense. <laughs> Second time around, she actually calls my name. I go in there. She's crying. I look at the test. It says pregnant. And that was the moment we received the miracle. But, but let me tell you something. What shifted it was moving from moping around Losing the fight, discouraged, depressed, oh, I give up, it's not going to happen, there's nothing I can do about it. From moving from that to the righteous indignation. That righteous indignation, church, I want you to think about everything God has done in your life. You have to allow the fight to come back into your spirit. You have to stop sitting back and just accepting what's going on. You have to stop accepting that things are falling apart. You have to start fighting for your children. You have to start fighting for your marriage. You have to start fighting for your finances. You have to start fighting for your miracle. And when I say fight, I'm not saying it's in your effort or power. When I say fight, I'm saying choose no matter what comes your way to say, I put my faith in God. Think about with Abram and Sarah. They were well past the age when God gave them a baby. Moses against the Red Sea. Think about Moses and the children of Israel. They come up to this shore, and in front of them is the Red Sea. They cannot pass. Behind them is an enemy they cannot destroy. And they're stuck in the middle of that place. But instead of just staying there, Moses takes action, stretches out his faith, and God opens up the sea. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who when they, when they go to face the fire, instead of bowing before the man, they chose instead to worship God and they're thrown in the fire and God meets them in the fire. I think about Jesus and these thieves, that entire religious system that was against them, the one that had been established there for years. Instead of being intimidated, instead of saying, well, I don't know, that's just the way it is. He went in there and overthrew it to the point where they wanted to kill him. I think about the disciples in the storm. They're there panicking, looking around. They don't know what to do. And Jesus walks right into the middle of the chaos and calms it with one command. Think about the children of Israel on the wall of Jericho. Imagine this, guys. The children of Israel, they go and they walk around these walls and they march around it seven, six times for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, they have to go around it seven times the last day. You know what that tells me? That it, things get toughest just before the breakthrough. Things become most tense, most chaotic, most seemingly impossible just before the breakthrough. Pastor, as I say this, I'm thinking, this is just what I'm in my spirit. I'm thinking we're here as a church where we've been walking around walls. But I'm telling you, I see by the spirit a building coming to Praise Chapel Paramount. Uh, that, that was one of the things when I, when I wrote down the walls of Jericho, that's what I sensed in my spirit. 
And church, we have to be a radical people of faith who say, you know what? I don't care how it looks. I don't care what my resources are. I don't care how long I've been dealing with this. Whatever you are facing, we serve a big God. I'm telling you, the more, I, the more I see what God does, the more miracles I see, the more miracles I see healing and financial in marriage with children, with sickness, with disease, with people's minds, the more convinced I become that nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. God is not looking at your bank account. He's looking at your faith. God is not looking at the state of your marriage. He's looking at your faith. God is not looking at the size of your ministry. He's looking at your faith. If you can just give him the faith with which he can work with, he will perform the miracle. You have to allow yourself to stand up and oppose the enemy. You have to say within yourself, enough is enough. I'm tired of walking around these walls. I'm tired of pushing on this situation. I'm tired of being discouraged and feeling like I have no options. It's time you come against this thing with prayer. It's time you come against this thing with faith. It's time you get bold and look at the situation and say, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or even imagine. Do you realize that he has all of the resources? Do you realize that he has all of the power? Do you realize that he is just waiting for you to say, God, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to step out onto the water and I will see the miracle. But if you're going to see it, if you're going to encounter that, you have to allow that fire. You have to allow that indignation. You have to allow that righteous anger, not toward a person, not toward anyone in this room, but allow that righteous indignation to come against the enemy and say, you know what? You've had my family for long enough. You've had my mind for long enough. You've had my body for long enough. You've had my finances for long enough. You've had my marriage and my children and my ministry for long enough. I am saying to it now, I'm cursing the fig tree that does not bear fruit. It's in your power to do it. Do you know who you are? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know who I am? You know, I often get accused of being arrogant. People say, oh, Diga, he's so arrogant. But you know what I've learned is that confidence looks like arrogance to the insecure. You got to stop caring about what people think about you. And you got to stand up boldly and say, I don't care if you tell me it's impossible. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the counselor says. I don't care what the accountant, well, you should care a little what your accountant says. But I care about what God is able to do through me. You are anointed. You are God's child. You have the authority to speak and curse the fig tree. You have the authority to drive out the things that are not right in your life, but it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some persistence. The walk of faith is not for the weak. The walk of faith is for the bold. The walk of faith is for those who are willing to risk it all. The walk of faith is for those who are willing to confront the issues that have been issues long enough. You need to get bold and you need to be filled with faith and say, I am coming against this thing in the name of Jesus. I think of the woman in Matthew chapter 15 who brings her daughter to Jesus to be delivered of demonic spirit. And the woman says to Jesus, please cast this devil out of my daughter. And he says to her, I didn't come for you. I came for the children of Israel. He called her a dog. We can debate that, but I think he called her a dog. He knew what people could handle. He knew what was in their heart. 
And she says, yes, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs off the master's table. And what does he say? He says, this is great faith. He commends her faith. What was it that was faith? Do you realize that in the kingdom of God, faith and persistence are the same? I don't think some of you got that. In the kingdom of God, faith and persistence are the same. Sometimes it takes just having the courage to persist. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. These are the words of Jesus. Do you follow Jesus, right? He's your Lord, your Savior, the highest authority there is. Look at what he says. I don't care what it is you're believing for. Some of you are in a bad situation and you want to come out of it. Others, you're in an okay situation, but you see something bigger. And you know within your spirit that God has something more. And there's just something that's something that hasn't settled yet. Something that just says, I know what's on the other side of that wall belongs to me. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. This is what the words of Jesus are to you tonight. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone, say everyone, everyone. Church, that's what it says. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I remember we, we're right in the process right now of building our ministry's TV studio. And, and I remember I, I was looking at the situation. It's been like a year and a half of fundraising. And now six months we've been in the permit process for finalizing everything. But that first mountain for us, the, 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 the financial one, that was a tough hurdle. And, I, you know, I, I want to say this, and, and I'm saying this, please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying this because I want, I want us to expand our thinking. Sometimes I, I, I don't think we have the right mindset when it comes to resources and finances. I think we think amounts are much bigger than they actually are. There was an enormous amount we needed in addition to everything our ministry was operating under. The need was $300,000. Now, if I came up to you and said, hey, 300000 what would you do? You'd probably go into debt, right? Somebody'd have to sell a home or a car. I didn't have it. And I remember we were persisting and persisting and persisting. And you don't know how many people told me, it's not going to happen. People called me, hey, what you're doing, it's not really going to work. Why don't you settle for XXX and X instead? They'd say, well, you know, that's an obscene amount of money. It could be used for other things. I, you wouldn't believe some of my friends in ministry would call and say these things. Very, very few. I thank God for the few. And when I say few, I'm speaking relatively few who were there and saying, this is going to happen. But it, but, but, but it launched us into this, this new season of ministry. And, and you have to understand, for like 15 years, it had been something I saw. And I persisted. And you know I ask God for that almost every day? I don't let up. There needs to be this persistent faith in you. When you see what God has showed you, he fully expects for you to keep asking. You know, you know let me put it this way. You know, you know why God wants you to keep asking, and I'm, I want to make sure I'm sensitive to the time. You know why God tells you to keep asking? It's not because he's reluctant to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. But you see, here in the earth, God has given dominion to man. 
When you persist in asking, it's like in Daniel, when, when the warfare prevent, prevented his prayers from being heard. You're, what you're doing is you're, you're establishing the kingdom. You're declaring the word. So we need some people to start declaring. Not only for your life, but for this ministry, this church. We need some people to start thinking big. You serve a big God. And you need to allow that fire within you. Stop giving in. Stop just saying, oh, that's it, I'm done. Never going to change. The way it's been will be the way it always shall be, and so shall it be always. It's so dramatic. That was you, by the way. Instead, you know, you got two options. Either you, you accept it for what it is and definitely be miserable your whole life. Or begin to persist in faith and it will most likely change. It will change. But it's going to take you to come out of that. Some of you, it's like some of you, it's been like the, the, you're just spiritually just trained. All the things going, you're just drained. I was there. That's why I'm preaching this message. I just came out of that. But, but we need to come to the place where that fire inside, like Jesus cursing the fig tree. This thing is not producing. I'm going to speak to it. Bold faith. Boldness that says no matter what, I'm not letting. you got to be like a bulldog just latched on. And no matter the enemy tries to shake you up, just don't, don't let up. The moment you let up, that's when things begin to go back to the way they were. But you need to be someone who will face these things. Some of you need to go and put that thing back on your prayer list. Some of you ladies, you've accepted that your husband just isn't saved, and that's just the way it is. Some of you parents have accepted just this is, this is the way my children are, and that's just the way it is. Family members who don't know Jesus, that's just the way it is. My financial situation, that's just the way it is. When God has put something, he's shown it to you. God wouldn't put it in your heart if he didn't intend on it coming down. Let me tell you this. It will come to pass. It will. It has to or the word isn't true. It absolutely has to. This is the kind of bold faith you need. If you want to see big things shift, it's going to take bigger faith. Bolder faith. Indignant faith. The I want to punch the enemy in the face so he gets out of my way kind of faith. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. How many of this is stirring you? Let me see your hand. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.